0: Hi everyone, my name is Zainab and welcome to our third episode of Lancaster Diaries. Today I am joined by the awesome Dr. Allison, and we are going to be myth-busting about personal statements. So Alison, do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Sure, my name is Dr. Alison Hoy, as you said, and I am the Director of Student Engagement, Recruitment, and Admissions in the Sociology Department at Lancaster. Um, So, in my work, I deal with people who are applying to all our programs, both in sociology, social work, and media and cultural studies.
0: Exciting, exciting. Okay, so. Uh, What's about today's podcast was a school that I was working with, where the teacher said that a lot of the students felt very deflated about writing their personal statements, feeling like because of COVID, they didn't have many things that they could add to it, and they just felt like they were now severely disadvantaged uh, when it came to applying for university. So um, I'm going to go through some of the myths that currently exist around personal statements, and you are going to dispel those myths with all your wisdom. I will do my best. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Okay. Fabulous. All right. So we're just going to jump straight into it. So, which is the first one, which is obviously the most prominent one, um, which is that COVID has not provided anything useful for personal statements. And the question is, should people lose hope over their personal statement because of lockdown and the pandemic? So, I mean, they have no work experience. Most things are closed. And also most people are emotionally and mentally exhausted.
1: Yeah. You know, this is a really hard one because I think at various points in the last year and a half, all of us have had that feeling of like, oh, everything's being ruined by COVID. Um, But you know what? I think one of the things I've certainly started to realize, and I've, I've heard others talking about too, is in a way what's happened is we've all started to reset our expectations. And I think that's one of the most important things when you're approaching your personal statement is to realize that All of the uh, academics um, and colleagues who are looking at your personal statements are recognizing that we've had a very unusual year. Um, And you know what, that means that in a way you've got these new opportunities to think about how you've learned from that, how that maybe has changed what you're interested in. Uh, For some of you, it could be that things you've learned outside the classroom in your life during COVID have really given you a new kind of value in terms of the way you approach your studies or in terms of how you see some subjects as being really important for you. And those are all things that you can really draw upon in your personal statement. So um, it was really interesting. uh, My colleague, Jerry Davies, who's in um, our art uh, department had some really interesting sort of prompts that he suggested in terms of how you can start to bring out the way that COVID has actually helped you to discover more about yourself, and help to really shape your own character, which is one of the things we're looking for in a personal statement. So looking for that independence, that self-awareness, that self-reflective and and perhaps even self-critical kind of approach. So he suggested that you might be asking yourself questions like, you know, what was it in your own experience at home, in your family or peer group in the last year and a half that perhaps you previously took for granted uh, that now has become important in a new way or that was unseen and now you appreciate it and see it in a different light and you know he also suggested you think about things like how you might have taken control over the strange relationships and circumstances you found yourself in and how you started to make make something of that yourself in the last year, both in terms of your life and in terms of your study. And, you know, there's lots of things about how we've used technology, how we've perhaps challenged ourselves to use our time in different ways that I think are really useful for thinking about how going forward now, we've all learned things that are going to make us better at what we want to do. And that is part of what you want to really package up and put in that personal statement to highlight why you want to do what you're asking uh, for somebody to let you do at university.
0: Fabulous, okay, so basically people should not lose hope. Um, There is a way to channel and harness all of the things that we have learned from COVID uh, into managing our expectations and still producing really amazing personal statements.
1: Absolutely.
0: Fabulous. All right. Well, the second myth that we have is that you need a certain volume of supercurricular activities or experience in your personal statement. And just to clarify, supercurricular here, uh, for anyone who isn't aware, supercurricular activities are the things that take the subjects you study further um, beyond that which your teacher has given you. So yeah, the question here now is what is the best way to approach supercurricular activities? And also, how do you deal with possibly falling into a toxic productivity mindset?
1: I mean, that's a really important question because I think it can be really easy to feel like this myth is true. Like you have to do a certain amount of things, otherwise you're going to be falling behind. And I'm sure you may have heard that when you've been, you know, giving workshops and helping students as well with their personal statements. But I think the really important thing to keep in mind is that actually great personal statements can look quite different. So not only do different subjects have different kinds of requirements and focuses. And certainly within um, the faculty that I'm in, we have social sciences, we have arts and humanities. And what you might be trying to communicate about your enthusiasm and uh, your perspective on a subject is going to be different if you're trying to do an art subject where you have to create your own unique work that is representing your voice versus if you're going to study English literature or media. or. social work. So there are very different kinds of things that you might be looking to communicate in your personal statement. And you don't necessarily need to show that you've done, you know, dozens of courses and read 100 books over the summer and anything because that kind of volume isn't as important as highlighting what is really key and important to you and linking the subject you want to study with how you've approached different things about your own experience. And those might just be a few things that you've approached in a very specific way. And that's where also, whether you have experience that is unique, you know, you are the first in your family to go to university. And so you approach your subject with that kind of uh, in mind, or it could be a case where you are trying to apply for a subject that you've not studied previously. And it's perfectly possible to do that. But then it's going to be really important to make sure that you're clear about how you're drawing from what you have studied or your other experiences to show why you really are passionate about changing the direction of what you're studying. So I think volume isn't as important as being really clear about what's making you passionate and enthusiastic about what you're trying to study at university.
0: All right. Then that leads us on to our third myth, which is that. So you need to talk about a lot of different activities overall in your personal statement. And I think one of the things that sometimes students fall into this trap of doing is not wanting to be cliche or not wanting to follow the standard. They want to be as as unique as possible. Read the most unique, obscure book that, you know, the academic probably wouldn't even have heard of to show that they're different to other students. What advice would you give about that?
1: You know, I think it is really difficult because you recognize when you're writing a personal statement that you're trying to stand out amongst many other people who may have studied the same subjects as you or gotten the same grades as you, and it can seem like you have to be unique in that way that you're referencing of doing something nobody else has done. I don't think that is actually what's so important when we're reading through these statements, because we see that obviously students are talking about similar type of activities, similar types of experiences. And the thing that stands out is when somebody's able to bring some of their own individuality to that. And that can be in terms of going in a kind of depth about one thing that you've read that maybe everyone else has read also, but that you are going into depth and talking about how it resonates personally or how you can bring a kind of criticality to that and those kinds of things I think are really important and particularly for some subjects like the humanities and the arts where what is going to be really important going forward is highlighting how you personally connect to certain types of creative writing or performance or art or media or architecture and my colleague Anna Ruta Costa is one of the admissions tutors for architecture and gave some great examples of this. So things like, can you think about a kind of architect or building or a place that inspires you? And why does it inspire you? You know, Does it give you a sense of what kind of architect or person you want to be in the future? Those are the kinds of things where you don't have to be unique because you pick something nobody else does what you can do is pick something. I mean, maybe you're inspired by Zaha Hadid and many other people are and have been, but maybe you can explain that in a way that's very personal to you and that highlights what it means for you to become like her in the future, for example. So part of this is situating your interests in the wider world and in the wider world related to your subject. And my colleague, Claire Hardiker, who's in linguistics, had a great way of, of highlighting this as well in terms of that subject, about how it's really about thinking about what kind of curiosity you have, what gives you a sense of wonder, and what makes you want to adventure further in your subject. So you can ask things like, do you write for your own pleasure? Do you read just for the joy of it? What is it that you read for the joy of it? And in the case of linguistics and language, how could you show that you find language fascinating just in and of itself and that about accessing certain free content online or what kind of views and perspectives and questions do you have that aren't necessarily things you've been asked to engage with by teachers in the past, but are driven by that curiosity that you have yourself that's helping propel you towards university.
0: I think what you're saying, um, when I researched the academics within the humanities department, I think the one word that came across frequently in everyone's advice about personal statements was showcasing enthusiasm. Like, as long as you can demonstrate that you have enthusiasm for that subject and you have done extra stuff to show that enthusiasm and you've got different takeaways, then that is essentially what academics are looking for in the personal statement.
1: I think that's absolutely right. And that's partly because one of the major differences that you may have heard of in terms of the studying at BTEC or A level and then studying at university is that you really are given this space to create your own path and to really explore what's interesting to you. So your your study is no longer driven so much by, I have to study this thing because it's going to be on my exam. And the world opens up a bit in terms of your subject and how you can just explore what you're interested in. So that's one of the reasons why enthusiasm is really important, I would say in the social sciences as well, because it really highlights that you've already started that work that's going to make you successful when you're given more freedom to just pursue the things that you are interested in in your subject.
0: Now, the next one is you need to link your personal statement to your future career hopes.
1: I I mentioned that social work is one of the subjects in our department and for people who are applying to social work, it is actually really important that you are clear about wanting to be a social worker and wanting to pursue that profession because that's one of the things we evaluate on is that we want to make sure people have enough knowledge of that specific profession to make an informed choice of this degree and a social work degree ends up being professionally qualifying. So if you finish that degree, you can apply to register as a professional social worker. So that's a kind of example where you need to be a bit confident uh, before you start that application. But other kinds of subjects, you know, it might be that you have no idea yet. A subject like sociology, which is what I studied at university, I actually didn't start my own degree as a sociology major. But as a subject, it's also something that people go on to many different career paths afterwards. And so it's not uncommon that we have students starting out the degree or even graduating and not knowing exactly what they want to do. So I think, you know, you don't have to feel like you need to pick a job or a career um, just in order to say, that you have something you're aiming for in your personal statement. What's much more important is that sense of direction. And you know, some of what I was talking about before highlights that in terms of knowing what kind of person you're curious about becoming or what kind of things you want to explore or another colleague, Lisa Thomas, who's in design, she highlighted that you can ask yourself questions like, why, why are you enthusiastic? And where do you hope that enthusiasm and your degree will take you? Those are still about thinking about the future, but not in a way that you have to say, I want to become this kind of person with this job role, because we, we recognize you may not know that yet. And part of the university experience is exploring things that will allow you to figure that out.
0: When you were studying your degree, did you have in mind that you wanted to become an academic in the future?
1: I did not, actually. I first registered as a business administration major when I started university, and then I just got a bit bored in my modules, and I realized the thing that was interesting to me was the option I took on sociology, and I just accidentally ended up becoming an academic in a way, because I just loved studying, and I loved learning new things, and I loved writing, and... I just thought, you know what, I just wanna keep going. And so before I knew it, I had a PhD and then it was like, okay, I guess, well, I could become an academic. So <laughs> that's that's the thing I think that sometimes you get to university and you discover new things about yourself and about the subject you're studying. And I don't think you have to be afraid about changing your mind once you're there. And that's one of the things we recognize too. That's why enthusiasm is really important because it could be your enthusiasm ends up taking you somewhere else, But it can always continue to sort of propel you forward and to help you to seek out new things and keep working hard to do your best. And that's really what's going to make you successful at university, I think, in the end.
0: And now we are on to our fifth myth. It is too late to get started building up your experience.
1: I was actually doing a presentation with some of my students for a school earlier in the summer. And one of the things I said in that presentation was that I've been talking a lot about enthusiasm here. And it could be that for some of you, this is a really hard thing to think about because actually it has been exhausting. And sometimes it's been very easy to just completely forget about the things that make us at all enthusiastic or passionate. It just all feels like a lot of hard work. And you know, that's fine. If that's the place you're in right now, I would say you can just start small, start thinking about how do I rekindle some of that excitement How do I get, um, you know, a bit inspired to do something, whether it's pick up a different book. Myself bought a lot of novels this summer, and I haven't read a lot of novels in ages, but that's something I love to do in the summers when I was younger. And I thought, okay, that's what I'm going to do to help inspire myself is just read a whole bunch of novels. But it could be for you that it's about following somebody new on social media and trying to learn about a new area, listening to a different podcast, just going to explore something on YouTube that you haven't explored before. There's lots of things you can do to just sort of start that process of reminding yourself why learning can be interesting and why you might want to do it, not just have it be something that you have to do. And I know there is that aspect also, but trying to find something that is a bit driven by your own enthusiasm and your own interest is a really good starting point. And I think the other aspect of it is that there are different kinds of possibilities for the things you can do if you feel like, no, I do need to put some energy into this, so I've got something to write about in my personal statement. One thing that you can certainly look for is different kinds of online resources that are sort of providing opportunities to explore different career paths or explore different aspects of your subject. One organization I can recommend is Future First, which has a website where the organization is really aiming to help schools to convey things about employability and alumni, but they actually have on their website under services and products, a whole bunch of free resources that are just different packages that you can download and then look through to understand something about employability skills like communication or creativity or about certain types of subjects. So for example, they have a whole package around health and social care that gives short videos about what it's like to be a social worker or to work in health and social care. And then there's sort of a series of questions that help you reflect upon and understand some of that material. And the great thing about that organization is that if you complete those interactions and that workbook that they have online, you can actually send it back to them and get a certificate saying that you've completed this online job experience that they have. So if you feel like you really want something concrete that you can say, I've done this thing, I would certainly encourage you to look online for things like that that allow you to sort of explore a little bit about a subject or about certain aspects of employability and career. But it could be that you want to do something just a bit broader to sort of highlight and develop what I was saying around your personal approach to your subject and what you think is important. And there's lots of things you can do around that. Certainly for the humanities, I would say the podcast working, is a fantastic resource because it really focuses on interviewing people who have different types of creative jobs. So some of those people are people who are working in publishing. Some are musicians or artists or filmmakers. And they really just talk about what it's like to be in those roles, what it's like to actually work sometimes as people who are trailblazing. So speaking to people who might be, you know, women in a field that's not dominated by women, or who were the first African Americans to really blast through and be big on in terms of film and music. And it's really a great kind of opportunity whether it's that resource or something else for you to then start asking yourself questions about your experience and thinking about what makes a good role model for me for the kind of success I want to achieve or why is it that my subject is so important for the world right now and what makes me enthusiastic about why I think this subject is really great not just for me but also for people more broadly so things like that that help you to really think about what you've learned in the last year and how you can understand that within the industries and the different kinds of spaces for discussion around your subject are going to help you to have a sense of how you can tell a story in your personal statement that's personal, but it's also showing that you're not just thinking about yourself, but you're thinking about how your experience connects up to different things in the world that have either inspired you or given you a sense that this is the right subject for you to be taking and for you to sort of devote several years of your life to studying.
0: I think it's worth reminding again to students that academics are aware (laughs) of the fact that everyone has been through multiple lockdowns and the pandemic and they will be making adjustments. They're not expecting this to be like a standard year of personal statements.
1: Absolutely. I think that's really important. And it's also really important to say that, you know, even in a normal year, we look at personal statements in slightly different ways, because we recognize that the students coming to us are diverse. And we can't expect everyone to have exactly the same kind of experience or personal statements, because people come from very different backgrounds. And so especially as a university that really takes seriously our aims of widening participation and making sure that students from very different kinds of backgrounds are able to come and make the most of university. We look at these personal statements with all of that in mind. So what I would say is just recognize, yes, you are in a sense competing for places with other students, but all you've got to do in that personal statement is be the best version of yourself and communicate the best version of yourself and your interest and enthusiasm. And that is going to be enough. You don't have to worry about being exactly like another student because especially at Lancaster we value that diversity and we really value the way that the university can be a home and a place that's right for so many different types of people because we see in our uh, work and our study at the university just how much that brings to all of our interactions and how rich it makes our experience as a university community.
0: In the case that obviously it seems like exams will go ahead do you have any tips for students who have kind of been out of the just been out of it in terms of studying as in like not been used to having sort of regimented study do you have any advice for what they can do to to alleviate that or help with it
1: i think that's a really good question and i think i have a few different things that popped into mind immediately One is to recognize that your teachers will be doing everything they can to try to give you some of those skills that you need. So actually, I would say in the next year, even more so than other times, although it's always important, just ask for some of that feedback or ask for extra little hints or tips that you can pursue and use in order to improve upon the things that you think are a little bit weaker for you. But also, I think it's a kind of thing where those types of resources, I would say now, are even more available online than in the past. So sociology is the subject I'm perhaps most aware of in terms of some of those resources, but I've certainly seen on social media, whether it's Twitter, whether it's YouTube, a lot more teachers in the last two years have been putting up resources online and study guides. And it's really interesting because on Twitter, you can see that the teachers are sharing it with each other in order to sort of help build up this community where teachers could share resources, but there's no reason why you as a student can't also pop in and look at some of that information and use it to help you if you know that this aspect of writing an exam, I'm really nervous about that first 10 minutes, looking at the questions, recognizing like, oh, I don't know if I studied enough about this. And that's something where you can just go, okay, well, can I find some old questions and make myself practice that experience of reading them quickly and jotting down what I would talk about? Or if it's a matter of oh i have a hard time linking or incorporating certain things into my responses you know how can you find some resources that help you with that so the more feedback you can get from your teachers i think that will be really helpful but also i would say just recognize like with the pandemic and what we've talked about with personal statements everyone else is going to be in the same boat as you you don't have to worry too much because it's not like there are some people in the country who have had a completely normal experience and have been doing exams the last few years. Everybody's had a disrupted experience. And so I think it's just recognizing that spending too much time worrying about it isn't necessarily going to help you because we're all exploring how we get through and how we move forward. So figuring out what small things you can do to help yourself and really having confidence that you are going to do all right. You're going to get to university. We're going to be absolutely thrilled to have you. And there are people around you supporting you all along the way. And I think that's really important to recognize. You're not doing this alone. And we really do all want you to succeed. So making the most of that and helping in the tough moments to, to use that as a way to encourage yourself can be really helpful.
0: Amazing. And with that, we are going to wrap up this podcast. Thank you so much, Addison, for your time.
1: It's a pleasure, Zainab. Thank you so much for having me.